0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello everybody, and uh, this is Ursula uh, from Be Above Leadership, and I'm here with my good friend and co-founder of Be Above Leadership, Anne, and welcome to our show today, June 23rd, 2020. And our topic today is supporting the middle school brain, and we have a very special guest, Jay Son, and Anne will introduce our special guest today. So Anne, tell us about (laughs) Shay.
1: Well, thank you, Ursula. Shay has just been a a dear friend of mine and of the above for I don't even know how many years, and he's one of those people that I just can't imagine not knowing him. He just is like the... He's like the sprinkles on the top of a cake, you know? Life would be a boring Mm. cake without Shay. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, Shay is a... Certified Co-Active Coach. Which is how I first met him was in coach training. He is also a certified Gallup Strengths Coach, so he's you know that shows you his commitment, to lifelong learning, which is one of the hallmarks of Shay. And then very interestingly, he is also a middle school teacher in Riverside, California. He's former Teacher of the Year. He's been doing that for I think 21 years, and he has been trained by be above in neuroscience and consciousness i think he's done a lot of his own reading and studying on both neuroscience and consciousness and what is so amazingly cool we think is that he has in little snips and doses brought both neuroscience and the seven levels of effectiveness to his middle school classroom and it's it's just you know i hope you get a sense of what an amazing person he is so welcome shay
2: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with both of you.
0: Well, it's always, yeah, always fun to get your perspective. <laughs> I know. And all the stories that, um, that Jay has from his classroom, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of those. Yeah, am well, glad and, to you know, that.
1: Well, good. And that kind of brings me to this. So if you're listening at any time in the future, we are taping this. It's um, – the end of june 2020 and we you know have been dealing with covid the world has been dealing mm-hmm. with covid 19 since march so i think we're particularly maybe let's just start off there i mean you had to shift gears in the middle of the spring to manage that and i'm just really curious what has been the impact on on your students
2: yeah um it was a shock uh, no one was prepared for it i mean in the sense that um, you know, the principal made an announcement at the end of the day that uh, make sure you have your Chromebooks, make sure you have your chargers, and uh, see you on Monday. And then we had our meeting that basically said um, after after school that uh, that we would not be coming back. And so the wow. kids were very jarred by this. The parents were jarred by this. And um, basically, we all went into trying to figure things out as the state was trying to figure out like what to do next. So basically, the dates just kept on getting postponed, right? And so I think the kids mm-hmm. were trying to manage as well as all the adults and all the teachers were in that sense. Yeah, I think it was just the uncertainty, right? So much yeah. uncertainty yeah. at that time. So yeah,
0: well, I no, think in terms I'm of getting really a routine to... and all that. Mm -hmm. Mm, mm, I'm really, uh, sorry, um, and I I was really struck by the suddenness of this, uh, you know, one moment you're thinking you're just going home for the weekend, and the next moment you realize that you are not coming back. Um, I think this is hard to handle for adults, but I think for the the middle school brain, that must be especially hard.
2: Yeah, I, I think that there's, you know, two things going on. I think one, you know, there's that whole... Um, well, we have no school now, yay, right? I mean, there's like <laughs> the I'm excited about that. But I think then the reality hits, and then the routine that kids need, that part is stripped mm-hmm. away in terms of things that you get that – school is not just academics for kids, right? School is about friendship. It's a, a sense of belonging and things like that. And that's the part that the kids seem to really, really struggle with.
1: Initially, well, mm-hmm. I certainly. Yeah, you I know, was on a call today, and and uh, with a class with adults, and and we were just talking about, and some of the folks on the class, in particular, just talking about how much they were struggling with it. They were struggling mm. with this lack of social connection, and that that was such an important thing for them. You know, in in our words, in the language that we use, in terms of helping them stay above the line. You know, helping them yeah. stay in a in a more positive place. Yeah. So what have you, like what has been different for you about a teacher in terms of, cause I know you, one of the things that's really special about you is that you do look at the kids in terms of, you know, both the subject you're teaching and then their whole being and their brains. Like how did you have to adapt to kind of help their brains in this time?
2: I think part of it was knowing that academics kind of took a, backseat to a end, it was really about helping them to process what was going on in the, in the moment. So um, the, the, our district decided the fact that we would do grading uh, based off of no harm, what basically meant the fact that whatever the students got the previous um, quarter would then carry on to the next quarter as a baseline. So they can only get anything higher. Anything that they, they did during uh, quarantine uh, online was an addition. It wasn't taking anything away. And so keeping that in mind mm. it really just became this space of, like, they are dealing with a lot. And so school can't feel the same way as it did once, as it did before, right? And so just making sure mm-hmm. the fact that we hold space in, in knowing the fact that this is a difficult time and that different kids have different struggles, different families have different struggles. Some of these kids are living mm-hmm. at home with multiple relatives. Uh, some of these kids are, whose parents may have uh, lost their jobs during quarantine. So I think looking at the mm-hmm. whole person and not just the academic piece is huge, right, like honoring that. Yeah.
1: I mm-hmm. love that. I'm, and it makes me really curious, Shay, like did you see a big academic drop-off or what, what you know, when you looked at grading, like what, what was the difference? What was the impact?
2: Yeah, yeah so our, our district um, monitor kids that had uh, access any of our um, content online, and we definitely did see uh, a drop uh, across the board. Uh, Initially, I would say that there was probably a little bit more engagement, and then towards the end, it kind of tapered off. Um, There was basically a lot of it was the kids who normally didn't do work, they didn't do work. The kids who did well third quarter and who had really good grades, most of them just didn't work, and they worked. So they didn't work in my class. They worked in other classes. Um, I did have some students who, you know, parents, um, Motivated them, or they were just internally motivated, so then they would continue their work, and you know they ended up with like a hundred and something over a hundred percent, right? Because of the fact that everything was mm-hmm. do no harm. Uh, there were uh, a few kids who struggled before when we were in, you know, in face-to-face, who actually did try, and some of those parents came alongside them to try to help them to raise their mm-hmm. grade. Um, but for a lot mm. of kids, honestly, I think people were in this such a traumatic space. I think everyone was going into survival mode for the most part. Yes. Um, so I mm-hmm. didn't get a lot. I didn't get as much interaction, I would say, in terms of those regular kids. The kids that I kind of kept a, a more of a pulse on were my emotional intelligence club kids. We actually did meet um, through video chat. Um, we did that about five times. So that was a good way for me to kind of just get a sampling of what the rest of the kids uh, we're going through because those kids, you know, had a desire mm-hmm. to for community and, and a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to access them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm also struck, uh, Shay, by the importance of uh, you know having a supportive uh, family environment. And at the same time, I also know from clients and and other people that parents themselves struggle, you know, suddenly having to yeah. work from home or not working at all, and then having kids at home and finding this new structure, um, which really, you know, we, we have certain brain wiring, we have certain neural pathways that relate to structure and habits and routines. You know, and all of a sudden that routine flies out the window, and I think human beings uh, in general struggle with having to reinvent what the new routine, you know, should be like or could be like. So do you think that that, you know, that plays a big part in um, either success or less success in regards to the academic um, assignments?
2: Yeah, I I feel like whatever structures were in place before, either routines or Mm. habits or mindsets, those definitely um, allowed some kids, um, more resilience in this space mm-hmm. right and so I noticed that even with my students that were in the, in the in the emotional intelligence club it was easier for them in a lot of ways because we had talked so much during the school year about different things so even things like mm-hmm. you know what we talk about like task positive versus um, default mode network and things like that right so there's certain things that we I could use certain language with them when they were in quarantine. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like building muscle during the year and then once we got into quarantine, then we were able to access some of those things. Be it keys mm-hmm. of neuroplasticity or enhancers and things like that. So it's really about like you, trying to prepare for uh, an earthquake drill during an earthquake. That's not the best <laughs> way, right? So <laughs> right. Kind of, That's kind of how I feel. And so I think that When you can help kids when they are not in this stressed-out place, Mm -hmm. when you can build all of that prior, then when they're in it, it's a lot easier not to have an amygdala hijack. It's a lot easier to stay calm Mm -hmm. and then to be able to to think, right? And that Mm -hmm. is right there, I Mm -hmm. I think, is key. Yeah.
1: I think mm-hmm. that's uh just really, really cool, Shay, and it's something that Ursula and I have talked because we've talked a lot you know during covid mm-hmm. uh, more more so than usual, I guess we just have more time, but we both have reflected on you know understanding having this better sense of hey what what might be going on in my brain and maybe what i'm having what I'm going through right now is actually neurotypical, and there is a you know, there might be a solution for it. Maybe I'm just, there's no novelty and I'm feeling really flat. Well, there's a solution for that. What can I do to get some novelty? And so that is, once you, when you have a better understanding of kind of how the brain is supposed to operate, then when it doesn't operate quite right, it maybe gives you a little more resource. Um, and like you said, you laid down a foundation to even have that conversation. So I think that's one of the things that I love about what you have done with, with this particular group of kids in your classroom. Yeah, cool. I think part of yeah, it and
2: like I, no, no, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: No, no, go ahead, Shay. Go ahead, Ursula. No, I think part of no, it no, is you, the, you, you, the
2: understanding. Understanding the why, right? Like why do we do mm. what we do? Why do we teach what we teach, right? Like in terms of sometimes with a teenager, they might feel like we're telling them certain things because as an adult, that's what we do. But under, letting them understand like the workings behind the scene it's huge. And I think this is just kind of the way that I kind of communicate with people in general, right, instead of just telling them, like, I do this. But what is the thinking behind it? So here's a quick, quick example. This isn't necessarily with, with – I'm a, just a natural teacher, right? And so on Twitter mm. yesterday, there was this girl who said that, that a, a, a huge spider crawled out of her wall, and she took a photo of it. It was huge, Right. And she was asking, like, what do I do? What do I do? And I saw the tweet, like, right after um, she had posted. And so my response to her was, talk to the spider like it's a cute kitten. This will help you to remain calm while you decide on what to do.
0: And she liked
2: it and other people liked it. And really it was about getting into it. kind of like what I try to do as I teach anyone. And it's specifically my students. It's that way also, right? It's like, Let's get Mm -hmm. curious around what is happening in this moment because Mm -hmm. then it gives you some space to be able to like calm down a little bit instead of just going full in, into, um, into Mm -hmm. a state of Mm -hmm. fear. Right. So. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I think what, what I find is so interesting what you are sharing is also so applicable to adults. You know, this quote, I love this thing about no harm, uh, and, You know, I'm even thinking like for myself, you know, when COVID hit and, you know, I was, I realized I would be at home now for lengthy periods of time. I had all these high expectations, you know, of what (laughs) I would do and what I would read and what I would study. You know, I I wish I had applied the home no harm uh, (laughs) strategy of saying... You know, let's go to baseline. There's no harm done if you don't accomplish anything, if you just hang in there. So I really love that. Well, I think that's I, about
2: being, think, right? I think that's part of, of yeah. like, having compassion on your state of being. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, totally. I, I love that, Shay. And I was thinking as you were talking about this and the kids, you, you know, it's such a compassionate thing, this this no-harm perspective, because – we know from our from you know our own studies of the brain how stress impacts the brain, and this idea yeah. that
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to be more productive than usual because you have time is a is sort of an unfair expectation of a kid or of an of an adult either um, and I think what's what's sort of hard and what i'm kind of you know struck by is okay, we can maybe do that for a few months, but what happens if this carries on and how do we, mm-hmm. you know, what are you thinking, you know, Shay, what are you thinking about for going forward? Is it, does it end up just being this kind of like, well, you know, everybody sort of loses a year academically and life is, you know, who that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Or I don't know if what I'm asking is clear, but let me pause there. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of thinking in terms of how do we move forward, right? Because honestly, right. there was a mm-hmm. piece part of me that really did not like um, my job towards the end because I, I did virtual school for a year during um, in my fourteenth fourteenth uh, year, and it wasn't for me because I love the energy that takes place within a classroom, mm-hmm. and yeah. so mm-hmm. when we're, we're now forced to go onto this online space, um, I have in my own life, uh, with even with you and Ursula, in terms of, of the course that I took with you about managing stress in difficult times and seeing how you worked in bringing community and a sense of connection and, and so forth. And, and I just finished my seventh uh, coaching certification where they actually did a wonderful job in that aspect as well. And so I think for me, it's like, how then do we build a sense of safety, support, and belonging in a online space If we have to go to an online space, that to Mm -hmm. me right now is the critical question. Like, how do we still feel like we are learning together and not just all in silos? And so that's Mm -hmm. the conversations that I'm having with my coworkers about. Um, And so some of that is an issue of like technology, right? So one of the things I love about Zoom Mm -hmm. is breakout sessions versus like Google Meets that does not have that. And so right there, those to me are about how do you create an emotional space where people can interact with one another and interact with me and how can we all move together in terms of either checking in with each other because who knows whether or not a wave two is going to hit or when it will hit during flu season. And so I think right now for me Mm -hmm. it's really about thinking about what is our contingency plan. And how are we going to make sure mm-hmm. the fact that we manage this in the way that it doesn't become where um becomes so reactionary like it was before? Like, I, I can't do that. There's no mm-hmm. way. I don't think it was as brain-friendly as it could have been because it was so traumatic. So now that I've experienced yeah. that, what, what can I learn from that last, you know, eight weeks of school or six weeks of school that I can now bring forward in this next year?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, you know, I'm struck by um, – Somebody just shared this quote with me. It's a famous one, and I imagine you probably know it, um, Shane Ursula. Um, and it's from Theodore Roosevelt, I think. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I exactly. think about mm-hmm. what,
1: yeah, what you're saying about this creating the first, you know, the 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 first um, item of business is to create a place where people feel seen, known, and connected because yes. that is the conditions necessary for learning rather than yes. let's get as much knowledge crammed into their heads yes. as possible and who cares how they feel and we don't have time to check in and blah, right?
2: Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It's about, priming, it's, it's about priming the wall before just painting. So much time in education, we just want to get things done. And we're very product um, oriented or achievement oriented and we just start painting and painting and painting, not realizing the fact that Mm -hmm. you've got to till the soil. You can't just start throwing seed and just wish for the best. Like we, we know Mm -hmm. that's not the best way of doing it. And so I think right now, Mm -hmm. because, you know, adults right now are, I would say across the board are kind of reactionary. I think hopefully now that we are a little less reactionary than we were in the beginning of COVID, um, but one of my favorite quotes is, worry is the misuse of imagination. And I think now the fact that we have <laughs> a little bit more space. Isn't that wonderful? I, I just love that quote. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. so I, I feel that that's, so now, now that we can have, like, more access to our, our uh, prefrontal cortex, how can we use, how can we not do that how can we use our imagination in a way to see what's possible and what's expansive in this space also knowing the fact that there's going to be some limitations because of social distancing and because of um you know all, all mm-hmm. those other factors that we don't even know exactly how they're going to play out right our like our district still has not made um, any of those concrete yet and so mm-hmm. yeah so then it's an issue of, like let's let's what what is perfect about this right let's go into secretness just for a moment like what is perfect about this Go into innovation like what what could what could happen um, what could mm-hmm. we do and so that's the kind of space that, that I'm trying to get myself into uh, during the summer to prepare mm-hmm. for next year hmm, that
0: makes that's me really
1: cool a, another another question we wanted to ask you Shay which is what do you think that the what do you imagine so you imagine that the you know, your students might take away from this experience that's positive. You know, this is going to be a seminal experience in their lives. You know, they will yeah. never forget that, right? What do you think yeah. they'll remember mm-hmm. that is actually, you know, filed away in the positive file?
2: That's a great question. Um, it's funny. It, I'm going to bring it to myself, and then I can get the supplies to them as well, right? So one of the things that I've had conversations with my own coach about is um, getting should it on, right? And, like, what are the things you should, should it. do? Should
1: should it, it. again?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So then the question is, instead of feeling what you should have to do, what what do I get to do, right? Mm. And I think that school feels like a shoulded thing, right? It's like – Kids should go to school or they must go to school, and so there's no choice. And so Mm -hmm. um, I've heard somewhere, like, you cannot say no, you cannot say yes. And this was in in the context of uh, a a romantic relationship, right? If you cannot say no, you can't say Mm -hmm. yes. And I think that, but that's true, I think, for human beings in general. When you feel like you cannot get out of a situation and become that rigid, without that choice, then there's no buy-in, there's no ownership. So I think that what the
0: kids mm-hmm.
2: experienced during quarantine is that now, they, the thing that they were told they had to do was now stripped away from them, and so then then they were able mm-hmm. to see like wait a second school wasn't all bad my kids, mm-hmm. my teachers actually cared about me you know like like there's a lot of a lot of uh, gains that I got by going to school because sometimes when it, you go to school and all you see is the the negative right you see the homework that mm. you have to do. You have to see the teachers getting on you. Their parents are getting on you. But this allows them to, to see the bigger picture. And, I, and my mm-hmm. heart's desire is the fact that when the kids come back, that the, the, the sense of gratitude would wash mm-hmm. over them. And, that and there's, when there's times where they do feel frustrated because school does not give them all that they desire, that they could pause for a moment and say, well, you know what? I think it's would still rather be here than being at home for six, eight weeks, you know, and so that's <laughs> mm-hmm. what
0: I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes, uh, that makes total, that makes total sense. I think, uh, you know, what I see in my own life and the life of my clients, um, we've, we've really gotten a greater sense of appreciation, uh, to the things that, uh, you know, we once either resisted or thought as uh, just a just a burden. I mean, for me, it's been about traveling. I mean, I traveled so much; it became, you know, I don't want to do it anymore, and it's it's terrible, and you know, it's this and it's that. And now that I've been at home since you know February, I am now beginning to appreciate, uh, you know, a a plane ride again when it's safe and going somewhere to teach a class while before I was just tired of it. So I can really see that, uh, you know, some of the complaints we might have had, you know, get get shifted into gratitude because we've been at, at home for so long. You yeah. know, you make you yeah. guys
1: um, make you make me think of um, when I moved back to the U.S. after I, I lived in Costa Rica for four years. I know you both know that. And I moved back to the U.S. and I was like, libraries, smooth roads. I'll pay my taxes. <laughs> this is great. You know, and I literally, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't necessarily approve of everything my taxes go for, but one of it was like really high quality public education. Wow! Like this stuff that I didn't have that that was kind of went below the radar when I didn't, you know, when I wasn't like Mm -hmm. literally wondering if my teeth were going to fall out of my jaw trying to drive to town. Um, Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. So, so I think that's it's kind of this. Oh yeah, get to versus have to. Well, another question for you, Shay, is this? You know, how do I know? There's probably you know, a couple, a few different categories of people that might be listening today, parents of middle schoolers, maybe other teachers, maybe young people themselves. What kind of advice do you have about how to get through this kind of time?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think of many things. I think of press and release. I, I think there's something to be said about, when we talk about like default mode network versus uh, task positive, like there's, times where we really do need to um, concentrate on whatever that we need to concentrate on, but we got to make sure we let off that gas and go into this mm. other space as well to be really intentional about that. I, I, I've been leading into Taoism um, a lot. Uh, I think Taoism is actually one of the things that has really helped me during quarantine in terms of yin and yang and um, the contrast. And I think mm. it gives us a different perspective when we experience contrast. As an English teacher, uh, we would call them like foil characters. A foil character would be a character that, let's say, the main character is a hero and he's very courageous. A foil character would be a character who's a coward. And, and then the, his cowardness would allow you to see just how brave the main character is. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, – I, I was watching this um, tea ceremony that they have. Um, I think it was in, in, in New York City. And uh, before they drink the tea, uh, they eat this very sweet – piece of candy. And they do that because mm. the tea is bitter. And by, dr- by eating the candy, you can just taste the contrast, right? And so I think that mm. when it comes to times like these, that there have, we have to allow the brain to, to feel both ends of it. Um, to When things are just so good all the time, we start taking it mm-hmm. for granted. When things are so bad mm-hmm. sometimes, then we just feel like we ruminate, and then just there's no hope. So somehow we have to know ourselves well enough to know how to move ourselves out of the space when we feel like we are, um, yeah, we're, like we're, we're below the line. How do we get into that mm-hmm. space? And then when we are spending so much time above the line, what can we do to help us to remember the times when we were below the line? And I think that mm-hmm. that metacognition will help us to have more balance so that we, we don't swing too high or swing too low in that sense. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love about the seven levels because when, when it comes to synchronicity, synchronicity or any of the higher levels, you can hold the, the lower levels. Being in a higher level and intentionally holding space for the lower levels is so crucial. When you're on the mountaintop, looking at it in the valley, remembering what it felt like and then feeling that in your body for a moment will help you to appreciate when you are on the top. And I think that's Mm -hmm. huge. And then when you're on the bottom, to be able to reflect back, like, no, my life wasn't always this way. You know, I remember those mountaintop Mm -hmm. experiences as well. So I think there's something about training the brain to see the fact that these are moments, these are seasons that, that, that mm-hmm. winter will not be forever and that summer will not be forever or spring or fall will not be forever. That will allow us mm-hmm. to be able to manage these ships that, where we don't have control over. I think it gives us a sense of peace.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so wise, uh, Shay. It really, it, it really speaks to being able to, as you said, to hold the contrast and appreciate uh the space that we are in and I especially love it to you know as you're saying uh remember the, the remember the more above line spaces that we have been in in times when it doesn't feel you know there is an end to it uh like with COVID, you know we are really i think a lot of people struggle right now with not seeing an end there isn't an end inside and remembering that it will not always be like that and that we will have more freedom again really speaks to what Anne and i talk a lot about in our program uh, about brain integration is really including below the line and above the line and the ability to hold both um more from a you know i'm standing here and i'm looking at both rather than being followed up by it
2: Yeah. And I believe that actually your work, your, yeah, go on. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no,
1: go ahead. No, finish your thought. I'm sorry.
2: No, I was just want to say, I, 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 this might sound strange, but I think and you, and Ursula's work actually helped me to uh, appreciate Taoism. <laughs> I really, think so. <laughs> I think, I think, part of it, even, no. the circle, even the even even the circle process, in terms of the above words and below words. I mean, there's so many things that I think that I learned even in coaching that allowed me to go, oh, my gosh, a lot of these thoughts are just ancient Chinese thoughts. Mm. It's just the fact that we're framing this in the context of either neuroscience or, or, or um, coaching or my, uh, mindfulness and things like that. So I just want to just pause just to say thank you so much. Like, like you helped me to, to like mm-hmm. connect to bo- bo- more to my own Chinese roots because I was a young punk that basically, like, said, I'm not going to listen to that because <laughs> it's not Western, realizing the fact that there's so much Eastern knowledge and some of it just straight up neuroscience. So thank you.
1: That is awesome. You make me you make me think of the you know you know excuse me one of my favorite quotes is um, Teilhard de Chardin the French theologian who said science philosophy and religion are bound to converge as each draws mm. nearer to the whole and oh, I so love that. you know well in our view is if things don't converge you have to look to see well what's they're gonna truth is truth. And we're yeah. going to find a convergence if it's true. And if it doesn't converge, then something—you know—something you know, something doesn't converge with our seven levels model. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. It might mean that our model's wrong. But it's mm-hmm. not, something needs to be adjusted in the system to find that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. She, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: what? You know, I'm specifically thinking about—you know—young people and maybe parents as well, but what resources would you say would be most helpful in this time? Um, And the one that I thought of, and I'm curious what else you would add, is Dan Siegel's Brainstorm, which is written for Mm -hmm. kind of the middle school, high school brain um, in terms of it's a very respectful book. He, he ran it by a number of teenagers before he published it to make sure he was speaking in a respectful, inclusive way, and I admire that about him. But if you want to understand your own brain as a young person or if you have a young person, you want to understand their brain, that's one of the places I would point people. Where else would you point people for resources?
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, I just finished the certification on the One Life Roadmap, and they just finished their adult um, um, copy of that. But there's also the youth one that they came up with. It's a nonprofit organization that helps kids to um, – there's four p- core pillars. Basically, it's vision, finances, relationships, and wellness. And I think there's nice. two folds that the kids need. They need theory, and they also need application they need to understand the big picture, mm-hmm. right? They need to understand about – like, the first thing that you, when you mentioned in terms of tools, the very first thing I think the kids need to understand is neuroplasticity. I think neuroplasticity, actually, that concept, that theory, uh, that understanding is huge because I think it's the key to unlock learned helplessness.
0: I think mm. believing the fact
2: that you're – believing that whatever that they have learned, whatever limiting beliefs they have integrated into themselves can be disintegrated and then re- Formed in such a way that will serve them. That's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you've mentioned the fact that it's another, the nervous question is a synonym for hope, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that that's really, really important. But theory on its own becomes so abstract that you have to anchor it somewhere. So even when it comes mm-hmm. to the, um, the keys of neuroplasticity or the, the wheel of neuroplasticity, all of those things are concrete. That's one of the things I love a bit about Be Above. I think that you and Ursula have like, done such an amazing job about taking these concepts and then figuring out a strategy or a way through questions and through uh, visuals or through activities to be able to, to really, really apply it to our clients. And I think the same thing is true mm-hmm. for our students as well, these kids. Uh, the kids need to mm-hmm. be able to see something concrete. They need to be able to experience something concrete. And so that's one mm-hmm. of the reason I love this one life journal is because of the fact that these are, these are, these are coaching-type questions that will lead them to a plan, that will lead them to a goal, that will lead them somewhere to connect with some allies in their life or mentors to be able to help them move forward. I feel that, that to mm-hmm. a certain extent, our kids feel lost, and we, mm-hmm. we point them to a direction, but they don't even know why we're pointing in that direction because sometimes they don't necessarily see us adults feeling like we are, are fully <laughs> right. understanding right. or fully conscious. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So I think there's where the kids, the kids can tell whether or not um, you're genuine or not or whether you're authentic. Like the kids can see mm-hmm. through that bull, you know? That's one of the beautiful, mm-hmm. the beautiful things about kids. So if you can have someone in their life who is authentic, and I, when I say authentic, I don't mean just as an authentic teacher. I'm talking about as an authentic human being, a, a conscious, aware being. So it, like you had mentioned the mm-hmm. teacher of the year thing for me. I, I, I don't think that I got teacher of the year because I'm a great teacher to a certain extent. I think that mm-hmm. teacher of the year because I allow the kids to see that I'm a person. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like
0: rules mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. the
2: relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead <laughs> to rebellion. That's huge. The most important relationship on any school campus is the one between the student and the teacher. It is relationship mm-hmm. first. That becomes the foundation. That enhances neuroplasticity, right? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, as, as, as adults in these kids' lives, they need someone that they feel like, you know what, this person is not perfect, but they have some experience with what they're talking about, and I believe the fact mm-hmm. that they can take me to the next step. Maybe not, the whole, maybe not this one adult, but this is an adult, here's another adult, here's another adult, and through my life, mm-hmm. the universe will always provide someone in my life to take me to the next level.
1: Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. I really love what you're saying about the they ne- we need theory, and we also need practice because um, so many things are set up to get one or the other and Mm -hmm. and you're right you know you make me think of in terms of neuroplasticity when I go out and you know what I have realized is if you go out and talk to a reasonably well-educated group of human adults and you ask them if they've ever heard of neuroplasticity a pretty high percentage will raise their hand they've heard of it they kind of know it means the brain can change but I've started asking how many of you know this applies to you and then I get (laughs) it's <laughs> like, like, like this interesting theory theoretically the brain can change in that they've never thought of that every single thing they're doing is either strengthening or weakening neural connections everything yes. they're doing in every moment of every day that's like absolutely never occurred to them it's like we're talking about somebody else's brain.
0: Yes. So I, love, I
1: really <laughs> love what you're saying. I love what you're saying. Shay. you are such a gift to your students, to us, to the teaching yeah. profession. I'm just Thank so you. grateful for you. Any, any final words about, you know, teaching, learning, kids, COVID, anything? Yeah, I actually do. Um,
2: know thyself. That's the lifelong, mm-hmm. that is the, the learning that, that is for all of us. When we use the term, the, the, the buzzword is lifelong learning, and sometimes when we say that, it sounds like it's something outside of ourselves. But I think because we are the point of reference, really, I, don't, I can now uh, underestimate what self-awareness does. Uh, self-awareness produces mm-hmm. um, uh, effectiveness. Self-awareness gives us choice. Without self-awareness, we don't know where we're going. It's like, it's like going into the mall and not finding the dot that says you are here. There's something about knowing the fact mm-hmm. that you are wherever you are that allows you to recalibrate when your GPS is off. If the GPS cannot find mm-hmm. your location and you don't know where you're, at, where you're at, there's no one that can even direct you because they can't give you directions if you don't know where you're at. So I think that for myself, mm-hmm. when it even comes to this, you had mentioned the Gallup Strength Coaching. I really believe that every human being on our planet should take those types of assessments, to know what are their natural strengths, what are their natural talents, what are the, what makes them extremely unique and how the how the designer has designed them to be. And I think that that will give them a sense of connection back to nature to a certain extent. Um, I often mm. joke or halfway joke that um, that my cat so when I adopted this, um, uh, this break, has taught me so much. The thing that she has taught me is to understand that I am a part of nature as well. Because when my cat gets up in the morning, she doesn't ask herself, like, hmm, you know what I really w- want to do today? I really want to be myself. My cat doesn't do that. Hmm. My cat is always herself. <laughs> and naturally, <laughs> her being herself is the way that she gives – Um, credit to the amazingness of her creator. She is a cat, and her catness is her thing. And I think if there's anything Mm -hmm. that I feel like I've been called to during quarantine is I'm called to return back to me, not in a selfish or Mm self-centered way, but somehow returning back to my source code, I also return back to the source. And that Mm -hmm. is somehow extremely powerful it's looking at a tree and knowing the fact that that tree, tree is going to go through changes. And my cat, at times when, when Nala is maybe irritating me, I remind myself that she is a part of nature. And in 16, 18 years, she will pass away. So my time mm-hmm. with her is limited. And what can I learn from her? And what can she teach mm-hmm. me? So I believe the fact that by, her, by looking at her, it allows me to look at myself as well. That I'm a piece of the puzzle. I'm a part of the mosaic. And there's something about whatever is in shape that needs during my however many years I am here allows me to appreciate the uniqueness in every single individual that I come in contact as well, be it my students that come mm-hmm. through my classroom every, you know, every year or, the, or, or, or through you know, online, if that's, if that, that's what's going to happen. But it allows me to appreciate each moment with, with all of these individuals, that, that my paths mm-hmm. and their paths cross. crossed not on accident for a reason and it's not just the fact that i am their teacher but i am also uh, they are my teachers as well and that i also learn mm-hmm. from my interaction with them and so they're a part of my neuroplasticity they, they change my brain as well and because of that i'm truly mm. honored and humbled and i feel that way about both of you as well
0: mm. Mm. oh thank you sweetie wow you know that's wonderful advice really 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 well said Jay. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you for being with us today, taking the time, you, know, during this crazy time, um, and helping us look at even how all of this stuff affects every, every age we are. I have to say when I was reminded of the supporting the middle school brain, and I, we came out of this cause thinking, "You know, sometimes my brain feels like a middle schooler, so this is helpful on all levels. Yeah. <laughs> Ursula, any last words before we, we wrap up.
0: No, other than uh, being deeply appreciative of your stories, but also your wisdom and sharing what you have learned and how others can uh, maybe learn from that. It's been hugely helpful to me because I agree with you, and that uh, my brain certainly sometimes not only feels like a middle school brain, but sometimes I have a feeling I've reverted back to peaceful. (laughs) so so this is this is really really Mm -hmm. lovely Um, and so just in closing want to point uh, our listeners to the Be Above Leadership website the beaboveleadership.com if you are interested in what we do and how we do it uh, we have a number of webinars and other resources on our website and uh, come and check it out we also have a YouTube channel. You just need to search Be of Leadership and you will find us there. We always post what we hope are interesting and useful uh, YouTube uh, videos um, on neuroscience consciousness and also on coaching. So that's it for me. Um, thank you so much, Shea. It was great to hear your voice. You're welcome. And, uh, thank you for being on the program. I'm sure people will find it useful and really, really fascinating. Thank you. Thanks
1: everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Bye -bye. Bye bye. Yes.
0: Take care. Bye bye.